Let's go ahead and uh, open our Bibles. We'll get on with the Bible study. Open our Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Again, it's not, if you're visiting today, it's not a, a normal Bible study for us. Honestly, I didn't think that I had the strength to do a normal Bible study. But, um, you know, I just want to share some things from my heart. Before we get going, let's go ahead and pray. You know, there are some people that still have um, COVID. Steve, Evan and Ica has COVID. We want to pray for him. Um, you know, I haven't heard from um, uh, uh, Jim and Anna recently, but they, they had COVID too. Uh, so let's take a, a moment. We'll just pray for them, pray for God's healing for them, and then just pray for our time together in the Word. Father God, we do thank you so much just for the privilege that we have to come before your throne, the throne of grace, and to present our petitions to you. And Lord, we do want to lift up our brothers and sisters that are struggling with this, this disease, this COVID. I think of, I think of Steve, Lord, and Lord, his, his oxygenation is poor, and, and I just pray that you would just meet him and strengthen him, place your healing hand upon him for Jim and Anna down in Belize. The same thing, Lord. I just know that distance is an issue. You can speak the word and, and they can be healed. And I just pray that you would meet them, strengthen them, um, you know, just uh, deliver them from, from this disease, Lord. And God, as we turn to your word, I pray, Father, that you would um, meet us today and speak to our hearts, Lord. Um, maybe not necessarily through the things that I'm saying, but something that you have specific for, for us. Speak prophetically to us, Lord. Let there be encouragement this morning. Let there be uh, exhortation this morning. Let there be edification this morning as we uh, get into the word. We ask these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. So again, these are just things that are, uh, I just feel that the Lord has placed on my heart as a church. First Corinthians 13, um, picking up in verse 11. Paul writes, when I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I also am known. And now abide faith, hope, love, these three. But the greatest of these is love. You know, Paul, uh, the church at Corinth, I mean, it's kind of a messed up church, actually. You know, and they're all caught up on these gifts. And he's just finishing this chapter of, of love. And he's saying, hey, you know what? We don't actually know all the things. You know, I mean, God has revealed so much to us through his word, but there's so much that we haven't yet scratched the surface. And he says, these are the virtues that we're to have. You know, I believe that every church, you know, God has a, a separate personality for that church. You know, I believe that God doesn't want us to be Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa. I don't think God wants us to be Applegate Christian Fellowship or some of the other churches that that uh, I've had the privilege of planting. God wants us to be unique as a church. He wants to have Calvary Chapel Truckee have its own special flavor as a church. But in the meantime, 
there's commonalities within the church, commonalities within us as believers that he also wants us to have. And he says in this passage here, uh, there are three virtues that are very important for us. And they're faith and their hope and their love. And, uh, you know, I just believe that, that um, God just wants to do a special work. Three virtues for us to characterize each one of us. Turn real quick to Numbers chapter 6. So I was thinking about this. Numbers chapter 6 is just a, um, it's just a chapter that the Lord brings me back to frequently. Numbers chapter 6, starting at verse 22. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, so he tells Moses, verse 23, speak to Aaron and his sons saying, this is the way you shall bless the children of Israel. This is the way I want you to bless the children of Israel. Every time they come to the temple, every time they come to the tabernacle at this point, every time they make an offering, this is what I want you to say to bless the children of Israel. Say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So they shall put my name on the children of Israel and I will bless them. Now, this is an important passage to me. Because this is God revealing to Moses. He's saying, tell Aaron, tell Aaron's sons, this is what I want you to instruct the children of Israel about me every time they come into my presence. This is what I want you to say to them. I want you to say, the Lord bless you. You know what? Our God is a blessing God. That's the nature of our God. His heart is to bless and not only is he a blessing God, but he says, the Lord bless you and keep you. He's a keeping God. You know, just like I said with my mom, you know, it was the Lord that kept my mom. It's the Lord that keeps us. It's the Lord that will present us faultless before his throne. He keeps us close to his heart. He keeps us safe. He keeps us, you know, uh, near to him and that's the type of God we serve. We serve a blessing God. We serve a keeping God, one that keeps us safe, one that keeps us close to, heart, to his heart. And he says, the Lord make his face to shine upon you. When you think of somebody and their face is shining, what do you think about? You know, I see somebody and I can just see their face shining. I just see the joy that's on their, on their face, the joy that's emanating from their being, just being expressed on their face. And that's our God. You know what? Our God is a joyous God. Our God, he, he's in love with you. He's full of joy over you. It says in Zephaniah that he rejoices over you with singing. He's in love with you. He's a blessing God. He's a keeping God. He's a joyful, happy God. And it says, you know, verse 25, the second part there, that the Lord would be gracious to you. Again, our God is a gracious God. He's giving when you don't deserve. He's, he's giving when you deserve not getting. He's so very gracious. And, uh, you know, just the verse th this morning that was on my heart was just, where sin abounds, grace superabounds. 
You know, I think about that, that old song that we used to sing, you know, uh, grace, grace, grace that is greater than all my sin. That's our God. He's a gracious God. He's a blessing God. He's a keeping God. He's a joyful God. He's a, a gracious God. And then he, he says, and, and the, the Lord will lift up his countenance upon you, that his eyes would be upon you. You know, Tina and I, we've been married for quite a bit of time now. I mean, it's 30, uh, well, 37 years now we've been married. And we, we dated six years. We actually dated. We did it the real way. You know, back in the old days, you dated. You went to pick up the girl, went out. You dropped her off, gave her a kiss, you know. Uh, we dated. We didn't live together. But, um, you know, still, when my wife walks into the room, I can't take my eyes off of her. You know what? I'm so in love with her. And that's the way the Lord is with each one of us. He looks upon you and he loves you. He's in love with you, madly in love with you, passionately in love with you. Just the emotions are overwhelming. He loves you. And you know what? Guess what? There are a lot of times I'm unlovable and maybe you feel that way too. But you know what the reality is? He's greater than my flaws and my failures. He loves me. He loves you. Our God is a loving God. And finally, he says, listen, I want them to know that I'm a blessing God, a keeping God, that I'm a, a, a joyful, happy God, that I'm a gracious God, giving one when it's not deserved. My eyes are upon you. I can't take my eyes off of you. But also, you know what? I'm a God that gives peace. I'm a God that gives peace. Boy, how valuable is peace Nowadays, you know what? Uh, peace and quiet, just to get away from the noise and the, the hustle and bustle of what's going on all around us. I, I tell you what, this is who our God is. He's a God that has given us not only peace, his peace that surpasses all understanding, but also he's given us peace with him. We're no longer enemies with Christ. You know what? We're at peace with him. We're accepted into the beloved. And this is what God wanted Aaron to say. He wanted his sons to say to the children of Israel every single time they came before him because he wanted them to know this. He wanted them to have this as just part of their, their being who they are. And he says in verse 27, so shall as you guys do this, so shall I put my name on the children of Israel. Name in the Bible is synonymous with character. I'm just going to put my character. I'm going to put my hand upon them. And you know what? This is who I am. And this is how I'm going to bless them. Now, what's important to me and what's interesting to me is Numbers chapter 6 is just about slightly over one year since they've left Israel. It's been one year. You know, the children of Israel, you know what? They saw all of these plagues that God brought upon the, the nation of Egypt to deliver them. They were there when the Passover occurred. And they fled the nation. God brought them out of the nation. And they went to the Red Sea. And when they got to the Red Sea, what happened? The, the Egyptian army was coming down upon them. They had no place to go. What do we do? God parsed that Red Sea and they passed through on dry land. I mean, talk about amazing. And you know what? Uh, these liberal scholars will say, oh, well, you know what? I mean, it was only really a foot of water. Well, 
You've heard it before. How amazing is that? He drowned the whole Egyptian army in a foot of water. You know what? It was miraculous. You look at the Bible and it talks about the waters being heaped up on the sides. And they walked through. Just amazing. And then as they walked through, God delivered them and destroyed the whole Egyptian army. Just amazing. And they, they didn't have any water. They didn't have any food. And so what happened? God provided water from a rock. Amazing. 1 Corinthians 10 says that rock followed them. Every place they went, that rock went providing water for two and a half million people. And then the food. God provided angels food. God provided the manna. It was just so amazing. So amazing. But a year later, God now sees the need to remind his people, listen, guys, don't forget. This is who I am. Don't forget. This is who I am. Why does he remind them? Because you know what? They forgot. You know what? We have broken thinkers. You know what? I'm prone to forgetting. It's something that is constantly in, in the Bible that, that God brings against the children of Israel that they forget. They forget. He said it to the disciples even. Do you guys forget the feeding of the 5,000? You guys forget about that? You don't understand yet? Are you guys not seeing? You guys don't understand? Are you not seeing? Are you not perceiving the things that are going on around you? You know what? They forgot who God was, the children of Israel. And as a result, what happened? They drifted. They drifted. Hebrews 4.2 says, if you can turn there real quick, it just says, for indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. But the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith and those who heard it. You know, if you flip over a little bit more, if you're in the book of Hebrews a little bit more, Hebrews chapter 11, 1, or actually 11, 6, it says, without faith, it's impossible to please him. You know, there's a lot of ways to please God. You know what? There's a lot of ways we can please God. But if we do it, attempt it, independent of faith, it's impossible to please God. You know what he says in, in 11.6? He says, he who comes to God must believe that he is. That he is what? Who he describes himself as in, in Numbers chapter 6. Just a blessing, gracious, giving, loving, holy, wonderful God as he's demonstrated to us time and time again that we, we need to have faith to believe that that's who he is. And that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. As we put effort into seeking the Lord, he's going to meet us and he's going to reveal himself to us. You know, uh, Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith, I mean, it's a, a strange thing. We can't measure, can't put it on a scale, can't put it in a beaker, you know, can't, uh, uh, you know, see how long it is or how high it is but it's the stuff of the things that we know to be true. Faith is the stuff. It's, it's the substance. It's the evidence of things that we don't see, 
but we know them to be true. And it's interesting because the writer to the Hebrews, just a couple of verses later, he gives us an example of things that we don't see that we know is true. And you know, it's, it's crazy. It's, it's an, a, a modern atomic theory. He says, by faith, Hebrews 11.3, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which were visible. You know what? This room is made up of atoms and molecules that we don't see. But you know what? It's stuff that's real. And we just receive it because we know it's true. You know? Many things are pleasing to God. Many, many things are pleasing to God. Many things we can do please God. You know? We can do all kinds of things that are pleasing to Him. Sharing our faith, loving one another, all kinds of things. But if it's not done in faith, we can't please the Lord. We can't please the Lord. Well, then what do we do? How do we, how do we nurture that faith? Well, Romans 10, 17 very clearly tells us, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You know what? We need to be in the word of God. We need to be nurturing our faith. We need to be nurturing it. We need to be building it up by being in the word of God, by being men and women of the word, by, by reading the word. We need to make reading the word of God part of who we are as believers in Christ. And I believe there are five important things we need to do in, as far as reading. We need to read the Bible consistently. Well, what does that mean? You know what? I think we need to read it every day. We need to be in it every day. Every day I, I, I make sure I tell Tina I love her because I want her to know that I love her. And you know, every day I ask her, hey, what about, what about you? You love me? Yeah, I want to hear it from her. You know what? Every day we need to be in the Word. And we need to have a plan to read through the Word. We need to read it first consistently. We need to read it systematically. Do you have a plan to read through the word? You know, I was a Christian 15 years before I read through the Bible my first time. And as I read through the Bible, I was just amazed. Like, that's where that story is. That's an, I remember that in, in Sunday school. How amazing. This is actually in the Bible. You know, we got to have a plan to read systematically through the Bible. You know, I just want to encourage you to read daily, to come up with a plan. There's all kinds of plans online. You know, you can read through in six months. You could read through chronologically in nine months. You can read through, you know, straight through in uh, eight months, you know. But reading through, taking it in, that's important for, to, for us to nurture our faith. Not only do we need to read consistently, need to read systematically, we need to read conversationally. Okay, what do you mean by that, Gary? You know what? When we pray or when we read, we come across something, we pray it in. We pray and ask the Lord to work it in us. You know, I love the Psalms. And you know, Psalm 1, you know, he says, Blessed is the man who doesn't walk in the paths of sinners and sit in the seat of scoffers or stand. You know what it is. But he meditates in the word of God day and night. Lord, make me that man. This is the conversation. He's speaking to me through the word and I'm responding to him in prayer. 
Make me that man. Make me a man that thinks through your word. Make me a man that acts upon your word. You know, uh, as I'm, I happen to be in numbers in my um, devotion, part of my devotion is numbers. And you know what? I read repeatedly, Moses did as the Lord commanded. Lord, make me that man. Make me an obedient man. Obedient to your commands. Lord, that's the conversation. That's the type of conversation we're to have with the Lord as we're reading through the word. We're to read consistently. We're to read systematically. We're to read conversationally. But we're also to read meditationally. You know, we don't just read in the morning, um, you know, uh, something that just speaks to our heart and then walk away from it for the rest of the day. You know, we carry it with us in the day. We think it through, Lord. Lord, I want that in my life. Work that in my life. Lord, what do you mean when you say this? And, and what is, how does it affect my life when you think that and, and say that? You know, we're to read through these things, think through these things, uh, develop these ideas as we go through our day. This is the kind of, these are the kind of things that nurture our faith. James 1, 23 through 25, you know this verse. James says, for if anyone is a hearer of the word, not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes his face, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he, he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and that's the key. He continues in it. He thinks it in, prays it in. He works it out and is not a forgetful hearer. He doesn't just read it in the morning and walk away from it in the afternoon, but he meditates on it. You know, it's not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. This one would be blessed in what he does. And that's what God wants for us. Again, he's a blessing God. He just wants excuses to bless us. Not only are we to read consistently, systematically, conversationally, meditationally, but you know what? We're to read obediently. As we read and we come across something that God tells us to do, that's what we're to do. We're to just surrender in that moment and just say, Lord, I'm, I'm there. Let's do it. Let's go forward. You know, as the Lord reveals these things. Well, you know, a lot of people ask me as I talk about reading the word of God, well, what's the best time to read the word of God? Well, I don't know about you. David said, you know, early will I seek you. David said, early in the morning, you shall home, hear my voice and I'll direct my voice to you in the morning. Psalm 63, one, oh God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. Psalm 5, three, my voice you shall hear in the morning, O Lord, in the morning I'll direct it to you and will look up. You know what? For me, I wake up early in the morning. I just prioritize that time in my life that I'm gonna just set this time aside to just grab a cup of coffee and sit with the Lord and read. You know, because for me, if I wait till the afternoon, forget it. By the time I'm done in the, you know, three, four, five o'clock, I'm spent. And I sit down with my Bible. I might as well take like, you know, a handful of Psalminex or something like that, you know. At that time of the day, I just like open it up and, you know, I'm drooling. You know, but in the morning, I'm alert. Nobody's on the phone calling me. You know, there's not a, a lot of things going on in my house. You know, it's time that I can spend with the Lord. Well, you know, again, for me, that works. For you, another time might work better. The important thing is just to do it. 
And if it doesn't work, make sure you find a time that does work. You know, Saturday, I'm disappointed that Tom and Donna Ray aren't here because Oregon played Ohio State. And you know what? Ohio State got a spanking. Teach you to mess with Pac-12 teams, you know? But I'll tell you what, you know, it was, it was four hours. I just laid on the bed and watched football. And then, you know, last night, don't tell me, Stanford and USC played. Stanford was beating USC out when I, when I checked out. And, uh, you know, I like college football. You know what I do? I give a priority to college football. Nothing can be of a greater priority in our life than the Word of God. And you know what? Those things, uh, you know, show us where our priorities are. As we, as we look at the things that we spend time doing, you know? Well, how long do I need to read for? You know what? We need to read for the need. You know, don't put a time limit on it. You know, maybe today, you know, uh, you're doing great. My mom went home to be with the Lord. You know what? I read a, I read a psalm and it was just a verse that just spoke of how God was going to lead us through this life and then Usher us into his presence, his faithfulness. And it was just like, praise the Lord, you know? And I was able to just close the Bible at that time and just spend time worshiping him. But there are other times where the need is great, where you know what? I need to just press in. I need to read until God ministers to that need, until he reveals his heart to me. I need to just be in his presence, just listening and, and waiting upon him until he, he gives me direction and vision. And he'll do it. And boy, I tell you what, uh, you know, it, it, we shortchange ourselves when we stop our time with the Lord before he's ministered to us. That's so important. We need to read the word until the Lord speaks to our heart. It's so important. This is how we nurture faith. Jude also says in regards to building your faith, but you, beloved, building yourself up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Again, it's reading and praying. It's communing. It's just engaging with our Lord and Savior. Again, you know, he's what we're living for. You know what? We're called by his name. We want his blessing. This is how we receive it. Why we just press into him, get to know him, draw closer to him. You know, to nurture our faith, we have to read. We have to pray. We have to spend time with the Lord in quiet communion. Those things, there are no shortcuts to that as we walk through our, our day, as we walk through our life. We need to be sitting at his feet. Martha, Mary, you know, Jesus said, chose the greater thing. Wouldn't be taken away from her. She chose to just sit at the Lord's feet, to listen to him, quietly commune with him, and just to wait for him for whatever he says. And if we fail to do these things, as individuals, as individual Christians, and as a church, you know what? We will begin to drift. It's imperceptible. It's just all of a sudden, you're far from where you started and will drift. Well, Paul says, 1 Corinthians 13, now abide faith, hope, love, these three. You know what? 
Psalm 147, 11, one of my favorite verses. The Bible says that the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him, reverence him, and in those who hope in his mercy. You know, as we look to the Lord with just hope for his mercy, his grace, his hand upon our, our lives, that brings tremendous pleasure to the Lord. And again, it has to be done in faith. You know, uh, Psalm thirty-three, eighteen says, Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope in his mercy. You know, our God is tremendously merciful. You know, tender mercies, loving kindness endure forever. Jeremiah 17, 11, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is in the Lord. You know, the biblical definition of hope is not, man, I hope this Christmas I get me an, a nice e-mountain bike. You know, I would like to have me a nice e-mountain bike. I hope Tina can save some money. I hope the boys can chip in. I like to get me an e. You know what? It's not a like maybe it'll happen. May. Biblical definition of hope is absolute assurance of good things to come. You know what? There's good things coming our way. Paul told Titus, his young protege, in Titus 2.13, that we are to be looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Man, our hope as believers is in eternity. Our hope as believers is to one day be before the throne of grace and to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Think about this real quick. What problems are you facing today? What problems, you know, maybe seem to be even overwhelming today that the rapture couldn't cure? You know what? Man, the rapture is the answer to all of our problems, right? Jesus Christ, he's coming again for his church. He said in John 13, uh, 14, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe in me. Hey, I'm going away and I'm going to go away and I'm going to prepare a place for you. And that place, you know what? If I prepare a place for you, I'm coming again to get you so that you'll be where I am. And you know what I love most about that section is all the yous there in John 14 are you singular. Not you guys, you guys, Calvary Chapel Truckee. Not you guys, you guys, the barrels or the cans. You know what? It's you singular. You, Steve Davis. You know, it's you, Sandy Davis. It's you, Gary Glander. It's you individually. He's thinking of you and he's going away. That's our hope. That's our hope. And Paul encouraged the Romans understanding this. He says, now do this. Knowing the time, knowing the time that we're living in. You know what? Knowing the, the signs of the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep for our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. Guys, we're close to heaven. We're not long for this world. Man, we want to live our lives for Christ in such a way that others see it and that they're um, affected by that life that we're men and women of the word and of faith in such a way that Christ is able to express his life through ours. 
and that we're living for eternity because we're just ever so much closer to heaven than when we first believed. I became a Christian in 1979. Who's been a Christian for more than 40 years? More than 50? Okay, more than 50. All right, praise the Lord. That's awesome. I don't know if you guys remember, 1988, the guy wrote the book, 88 Reasons Why Christ is Coming in 88. He had a sequel to the book, 89 Reasons. (laughs) It wasn't as big of a seller. (laughs) But you know what? Man, we're ever so much closer. Ever so much closer. Now abide faith, hope, and love. The King James takes the word there in the New King James, translated love. The King James takes the word agape and translates it charity. Now abides faith, hope, and charity. Because charity is a sacrificial love. It's not just, hey, yeah, I love you. God bless you. Have a great day. Enjoy your lunch. See you later. You know what? It's a living love that sacrifices. And you know what? That's the love that we're to have in the church. That's the love that Christ wants to us to have here. As new people come into our church, that they would feel welcome, that they would feel loved. Jesus says, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. How has he loved us? He's loved us completely. He's loved us looking past our, our failures and our flaws and our and our foibles. You know what? He sees Christ in us. He sees the righteousness of Christ as he looks upon us and he loves us. And that's what we're to look as I look out on you. You know what? I want to see Jesus. And when you look at me, you want to see Jesus and just love appropriately. And he says, as we do this, John 13, 35, by this, all will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And we're to be a loving church. God wants Calvary Chapel Truckee to be a loving church. Again, not so much like, you know, a cookie cutter. That's not what God wants for his church. He wants us to have our own special flavor, but he wants us to be a church full of faith. He wants us to be a church living for eternity, full of hope. He wants us to be a church of loving one another. Paul says in Romans 12, he says, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love in honor, giving preference to one another, preferring one another. No, please, you go first. No, please, hey, uh, let me get this for you. Let me help you. Let me do this for you. You know, considering one another. And then he, he, the writer to the Hebrews, Hebrews 10, 24, and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Man, we're to love each other, to stir each other on for greater love, for greater exploits, for greater um, endeavors to see Christ glorified and magnified in our presence. He says, let us consider one another to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another. Exhortation is an encouragement to action. You know what? It's not enough just to encourage one another, but it's to encourage each other to action, to take steps. And it says, 
not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching. Again, boy, the day is approaching when we're going to stand before the Lord. And we're going to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. You know, um, it's what we're living for. It's what our life is to be consumed with, bringing glory to the Lord right now. 1 Corinthians 13, 11 through 13, our passage. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see in the mirror dimly. We don't understand fully the things that, that are ahead of us. We don't understand those things completely. We see in the mirror dimly. We have some vague understanding, some vague, you know, uh, concept. But there's so much more God has for us behind that. It says, now we see in the mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know as also I am known. When we stand before the Lord, you know what? We're going to know as we've been known. How have we been known? Completely, thoroughly. It's going to be great. You know, until that time, you know, again, we see through this mirror dimly. You know what? We're to press in. We're to press on. Our Lord and Savior will take us as deep as we want to go. He'll take you only as deep as you want to go. Man, I want so much more from my walk with the Lord. I want to go so much deeper with my Savior to know him. You know, now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now know in part, but then I shall know just as I am known. Now abide faith, hope, and love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. You know, faith one day, I love the song, faith one day will become sight. It will be great. There won't be much need for faith anymore one day. You know, it's awesome. Hope will become reality. Our hopes will be realized, will be before the Lord. But you know what? Love is what extends off onto eternity. And the Lord would encourage us as a body, get a jump on these things. Get going on these things right now. The greatest of love. Let's pray as we pray that the worship team will come forward and while the brothers come forward to pass out a communion. Your word is so rich and instructive. And Lord, it's just, these are things just from my heart that I feel that you've placed on my heart to share with the church today. I pray that you would just use them to go deep into our heart, Lord, to encourage us to run the race for you, to run like we've never run before. Lord, is our hope and the blessed appearing of our great God and Savior is just right around the corner. Lord, we just give you praise and glory in your name. 